Amen. How many people can stay in the presence of the Lord? Amen. Amen. I, I don't know about you, but I could praise the Lord all day. There's nothing like the presence of the manifest presence of God. Uh, but I have good news. We'll have the opportunity to worship God in more time, with more extents. We're bringing youth revival back. Amen. No, no, I don't hear you. We're bringing revival back. We're going to be back. So we're going to have it back August 4th to the 6th, so Wednesday to Friday, and then we're going to have a closeout at Sunday service on the 8th of August. So make sure to come, make sure to bring your friends. We have plenty of room in this sanctuary, and the presence of God will be there. We're preparing a great program for you guys, so make sure to be present. We conducted a survey um, as we were reopening and asking people how they felt, and we asked them what they missed about redemption. And one thing that they missed a lot about redemption was the family feeling, was the capacity to see one another, to be in each other's presence. Um, so make sure to invite your friend. And we're going to have on Wednesday, once again, Bible study, town hall, fellowship, um, refreshments. So make sure to come Wednesday, 730 where we can be with each other. We're not, we don't have to be on the screen. Now, obviously, if you watch us online, if you watch us on Zoom, um, it's going to be available for you. But if you're local to South Florida, we would ask that you come on Wednesday, 7.30. Amen. All right, so I have a confession to make. I have a confession to make. Don't judge me. But I love Florida. I love South Florida. I am... I feel blessed in South Florida. I um, grew up, as you guys know, in the north where it was super cold, where you, you get to your car and then you have to shovel the snow. Like, like you can't see the car at all because it's on the snow. And then you got to go to work and you're shoveling and, um, and, and you know, and uh, um, okay, I'm not going to get too much in details, but, you know, with the cold, it gets very daunting. In Florida, we have the best weather in the country. Amen. Oh, you guys, you guys don't like the hot. Oh, yeah, let, let, let me send you to Montreal. You're going to send, you're going to change your mind. I, I'm going to send you to minus 30 degrees. I'm going to send you to where you're walking and your eyes, when they blink, they stick together because it's freezing. That's what I grew up with. So 80 degrees, 85 degrees, I'm good. I'm, I'm not complaining. Um, but one thing I felt was missing in South Florida was we don't have a landmark. Right, so if you go like Paris, what do what do they have in Paris? The Eiffel Tower. Uh, if you go to Sydney, Australia, they have the Opera House, right? That kind of building. But South Florida, we didn't have anything up until now. Now, if you go on the Turnpike, you'll see we have the Guitar Hotel, right? The Hard Rock Guitar Hotel, and I, and I think I think it looks really nice. Now, I'm not telling anybody to go gamble. Right, but I think it looks very nice, and especially if you go at night and you see the light that goes up. But when I was um, working in Miami and I was driving and I was seeing the structure come up, I, you, I didn't know what, what is that? No, you couldn't make up what it was until the builders were done and it became a, a beautiful structure. You don't know what the builder is doing until he's done building. You don't know what the builder is up to until he's done building. 
On June 24, 2021, we had our own little catastrophe here in South Florida. Well, I, I, I take that back. It's not little, it's big. It's a big catastrophe where, um, and I'm sure you guys heard on the news, Surfside. Uh, Surfside, South Florida, um, down in Miami at one o'clock in the morning. So Surfside is um, in there. There's a tower, the Champlain Towers. Uh, so those are condos. Those condos go from 300000 to $3 million. So they're a pretty nice area. But one day on June 24th, in the middle of the night, part of one of the towers collapsed. So you imagine you're in your room, you're in your home with your, your, the mom, the dad, the children, the friends, and out of a sudden, it collapses. It goes down. And now, obviously, rescue teams come and they try to salvage what, what um, save lives first and then um, trying to figure out what happened, right? And now, obviously, there's going to be a lot of questions, a lot of questions. And they think that it's going to take years for them to come to the bottom of what happened. But when you have a catastrophe like that, you always go back to one question. How were the foundations? How were the foundations? Right? And that's what part of the whole thing, they're going to analyze the foundation. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles with me in the Psalm that we read, Psalm 127. We are in this series, um, Summers in the Psalms where we study the psalms that we call psalms of wisdom, as we try to get wisdom out of the Word of God, out of that portion of the Word of God, we dig in the Scriptures so that we can find wisdom on how to live our lives. And today I want to talk to you about having strong foundation. So read with me Psalm 127, and it goes like this. Unless the Lord builds the house... The builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man who whose quiver is full of them, they will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Amen. God's word is already blessed. So the first part of the, uh, the passage that we read says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor, labor in vain. And I want to tell you this afternoon, don't labor in vain. Now, obviously, um, so the psalm that we're reading is written by Solomon. Solomon was David's son, and Solomon was the richest king that Israel ever knew, has ever known. And he was an expert in building things. He built a whole lot of different structures, the most famous one being the Temple of Jerusalem. Now, the Temple of Jerusalem, that was something else. We, we sometimes, you know, in the, our mind pictures, we maybe think of a temple like it's a little church. No, that temple was magnificent. It was something, if it was in today's dollars, it, was, it would be worth billions and billions of dollars. It was full of gold, silver, uh, precious wood, and that was a, a masterpiece. Solomon was so wealthy that when the Queen of Sheba 
came, and she came from uh, rich Africa, rich Ethiopia. She came to uh, Jerusalem to see. Uh, she said, you know what, King Solomon, I heard of your riches. But that your reputation was understated. Now that I have seen it, what they said about you was did not do you justice. And that was from a rich queen. So, so Solomon had riches, so he knew about building things. He knew what, what you needed to build. But he tells us, if the Lord is not the one building the house, those who labor, labor in vain. And the house could be a physical building, but the house can be any endeavor that you undertake in your life. If you do not have the Lord in your working crew, if the Lord is not the foreman of your endeavor, you labor in vain. How many times we see celebrities, right? They're famous people, but then you see their life and you're like, I don't want that life. I don't want that life. Like, I'm good where I'm at because you can see that they have the money, but they don't have the peace. They have, they have, they're famous, but they don't have joy. Right? Uh, and sometimes I see those celebrities, like they're just walking with their children and, and people are harassing them. That's not life. So, 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 so you can have the money, but what is it worth if you're not happy? You can be famous, but what is it worth if you don't have a community that you can relate to? And so, in the Surfside um, tragedy, uh, so now they're getting experts to come. Um, and I, I listened to a couple of experts, and one expert said, you know, we don't know yet what, 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 what happened, but one thing that we think might have happened is over time, because you guys know Florida, it's a lot of a marsh, like it's a swamp. It's like a big swamp, right? And that the building might have been, and I, I want to reemphasize, those are theories. They haven't come to that conclusion yet. But they said that maybe the building was sinking too centimeters every year and the building is 40 years old so a, a little bit every every year a little bit every year a little bit every year until it comes to a, a position that it's not sustainable anymore and it collapses how many people can relate to that where we feel ourselves we're sinking a little bit every month every every day we're sinking a little bit every year we're sinking a little bit and until to a point where we collapse and there's another, another expert, he came, and he, he was, um, when the FIU bridge fell, he went and analyzed this. When um, the Twin Towers in New York, he went and analyzed. So he's an expert. He's been doing this for like 60 years, 60 plus years. And he said what he wants to see is the material of the foundation. Um, so the Champlain Towers, so there was one, the one that collapsed, but there was another one, and that one is still standing. So why did one collapse and then the other one standing? And the city said, well, you know what? Um, right now we're not doing men, um, mandatory evacuation. The second building looks like it's fine. Well, I don't know about you. You didn't need an evacuation. This building falls, I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm out of there. I'm not staying. Because it was made by the same builder and the same, at the same time. So why would one fall and then the other not fall? But when you look at the, the documentation, what he was saying is the foundations were made by two different engineering firms. 
and that firm might have used some composite material. And that composite material over 40 years might have degraded because like to, 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 to make it the concrete um, dry faster, they might have used salt water and then that makes it go faster. But then you have the salt water that we get from the sea and, 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 and the compounding effect of time that tower would have collapsed. But this one, they might have used a better form of concrete, and that's why it stands. So I want to ask you this afternoon, what material are you using for the foundation of your life? What material are you using to build your life? Now, you can have two, two different paths, and they look like they're the same, but if they're from different foundation, if the material at the foundation, you're going to go in one route, and then when you what's going to happen, it's going to look good now. The buildings, they look good now, but when you go in the future, that's when it all collapses. And Jesus tells us what kind of material that we want for the foundation of our life. If you follow with me in Luke chapter 6, Verse 47 to 49, Jesus says this. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When, the, when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, that house but could not be shaken. But could not shake it, sorry, because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and, it, and its destruction was complete. The number one material that you need to build your life is the word of God. Now, I know that now in our day and age, we want to hear something you know, fancy. We want to hear something different. Say, Dave, every time you preach, you talk about the Word of God. But I want to tell you this afternoon, there's nothing else. There's nothing other than the Word of God. There's nothing other than the Word of God. The Word of God is from the beginning. In the beginning, what, what does the Bible say? He says, let there be light. The Word of God is what put this whole universe into motion. He says in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, let this book of the law not depart from your heart, but meditate on it day and night, and then you will have success. It says in, we saw someone, it says, do not walk. Blessed is the man who does not walk, does not stand, does not sit in the company of bad people, but that delights in the law of the Lord. In Jeremiah, God says, my word does not come back to me void. Every time I speak my word, it has to accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in Revelation, it ends the book saying, write these, write what you saw, because these words are faithful and true. There's nothing other than the Word. If you try to build your life on something other than the Word, it will fail. It will fail. It's only the Word of God. And so if you're trying to build on the right foundation, build on the foundation of the word. So that's why we're, we're telling young people, you know what? You don't want to mess with somebody that's not a Christian. You don't want to mess with somebody that doesn't believe the way that you believe. Because if the word is your foundation, but their foundation is something else. 
How can you have a building and one side of the building, the, you have one foundation and on the other side, you have something else? That can't go. It's not going to go. You need to build on the same strong foundation of the word. And, and, and it's not necessarily always fun. You ever been to a construction site? You get to a construction site, it doesn't matter if they're building condos or if they're building mansions, it all looks bad. You get to a construction site, you, you, you know, like for those of you who got, who got money, right, and you, you decide to build a house, right, oh, it's a new construction, you'll notice that they'll let you choose the color of the walls, they'll let you choose the floor, floor plan, like what kind of, you can choose the furniture, but they don't let you choose the foundation. They don't let you choose what foundation you build on. But spiritually, it's a little different. God is going to give you the material, but you get to choose if you want to build on a strong foundation or a bad foundation. And when you build a house, you're worried about the color of the walls. You're worried about the, um, the floor plan. But I want to tell you, you don't have to worry about the color of the walls of your life. God got this. God has got this. What you need to worry about is the foundation on which you build your house. You need to worry about what foundation that you're building on. And the foundation is the Word of God. And with that strong foundation, the deeper the foundation, the higher the building. The deeper the foundation, the higher the building. So if you want to go high in life, if you want to go far in life, build and dig a strong foundation. Dig deep your foundation. And you know, what, what you get with the benefit of time is you get to see God's word accomplished. And, and sometimes it's good because you see somebody that built their life on the, the foundation of the word of God and you see God bless them. But you also see the people that decided not to build their life on the foundation and you see the consequences. I'll always remember a friend of mine. I saw him in the, in the bus one day. And I said, um, why don't you come to church? Why don't you, you know, give your life to Christ? And he's like, no, no, I don't have time because you know, there's, there's too many women. No. He said, no, all right. Next thing I know, and it's sad, but I open the newspaper and I find him on the newspaper. Because he was, oh, we're going to keep it PG, he was... Um, trying to make people, ladies, do involuntary things. You guys get the message. And so he got arrested. Build your life on the strong foundation that never fails, which is the word of God. Now, once you build your life, at a certain point, you're going to succeed. You're going to succeed, and that's the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is not when everything is down. Yes, you have the storms. Yes, you have all of that stuff. But if you hang on to God, you're going to make it through. You're going to make it to the other side. But one of the challenges, when you make it to the other side, the other part of the verse says, Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards then watch in vain. So now you build a house, but once you have a house and you have multiple houses, now you have a city. Now, now the psalmist tells us, and, and a lot of times when God makes you prosperous, you're not trying to protect what you have, right? Or, and even sometimes what you, you don't have, right? Um, generosity is not a rich thing, it's a poor thing, it's a hard thing. 
But sometimes we, we want to protect what we have, right? We want to protect what we have. But I want to tell you that unless God protects it, those who guard, guard in vain. So rather, and, and we get so focused on the things of this earth. But what I want to tell you is don't get focused so much on the things of this earth. Rather get focused on the things above the earth. You see, it says, if we go to the next verse, it says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. The word vain is the word, em it's empty. It's emptiness. It's vanity. It's nothingness. The same author of the psalm, Solomon, writes in Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. And he says, you know what, I, I've tried this thing. I tried to be rich, but that was vanity. I tried to build buildings, but that was vanity. I tried to, you know, give myself to pleasures, but that was vanity. It was nothing new under the sun. There was nothing new under the sun. Let me ask you, whose world is this? Whose world is this? Whose world is this? Sometimes when you see what's happening in this world, you say, oh, this is the devil's world. But I want to tell you, no, it's still God's world. Because God still has the most power in this world. God still has the most power. So if God gives you something, nobody can take it away. If God takes away something, nobody can give it back to you. So you don't need to worry too much about what other people think about you. You need to worry about what God thinks about you. You don't need to be worried too much about watching your bank account. You need to watch what's not under the sun, but what's over the sun, which is the sun, S-O-N, that rules on the throne. That's where your eyes need to be. So the second part of foundation is to, to have your eyes on Christ, is to, to have a, a life of prayer and seeking the face of Christ. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? The biggest challenges that we face is patience in time. It's patience in time. You can have, you find yourself in a, in a situation. You find yourself where you ever find yourself where you're down, where things, you know, everything was going good, and out of the blue, everything collapsed, everything went down, and you find yourself where you're, you're in a jam. I want to tell you, you're going to get through this. But the question is, can you stay with it a little bit longer? Can you walk in it a little bit strong? Can you work at it a little bit more? If your eyes are on this world, you're going to get discouraged. But if your eyes are on Christ then you're going to get encouraged because you know that your Father in heaven, He controls everything. And so a lot of times we're worried about making a living, right? We're in the hustle and bustle of life. But I want to challenge you this afternoon. Don't be about only making a living. Be about leaving a legacy. It says in verse 6 of, of our chapter, it says, verse 3, sorry, it says, Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offsprings are reward from him, like arrows in the hands of warriors are children in one's youth. And, and it's kind of, so he's talking about building a house, and he's talking about watching a city, and then he flips into a child, uh, having children. And now understand that, the, first of all, that the, any endeavor that you, you, you have, it needs to be within um, 
It needs to be with God. You need to have God as your co-worker. The number one or one of the very important endeavors that we have is obviously family, right? It's to have God build the family. If you're a parent here, it's important that God be at the center of your home. If you're a child, even if your parents are not Christian, it's important that you be the, 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 that you make Jesus the center. Like the song says, Jesus at the center of it all. That you make Jesus the center of, of the, the house. But understand this, that in that context, right? Back then, children were a sign of blessing. Uh, children were the retirement fund, right? It's so and right now, we, we have retirement plans. We have, if you work at a job, maybe you have a 401k. Back then, they didn't have a 401k. All they could hope for is 400 kids. If you had 400 kids, they would take care of you in, um, in your later days, right? And Haitians were kind of like that too, right? Um, where um, when your parents get in old age, as a Haitian, you want to take care of them, right? You're not going to put them in some home unless it becomes that you are not able to because of the, the medical condition, but otherwise you take care of your parents. And, and that's how it was back then, where they took care of, so they, they would have and they would look to having children as a sign of blessing. I was reading um, recently that within the next 80 years, the majority of the world is going to be African. In the, within 100 years, the bigger group of people in the world are going to be Africans. Touch your neighbor and say you're going to be on top. No, they're going to be Africans. Why is that? Is as every other place in the world, you know, they get quote-unquote modernized, they don't have children anymore. Because they have retirement plans, right? They have money. They want to spend that money. They don't want to spend that money on children. So, so they go and they live. And a lot of countries in Europe right now, it's a negative number. There are more people dying than new people being born. They say that France, if it wasn't for immigration coming in, the number would go down. And so by 21, the year 2100, 40% of the world population will be African. And so that means South America, Central America, um, North America, Europe, Asia, Australia, all of those are going to be the rest. But you know why? It's because in Africa, they still have children and they still count on their children to take care of them. And, and they still view children as a sign of blessing, not a burden. And that speaks to legacy. It speaks to being able to have an impact that goes beyond you. So as you go about your life and you're uh, trying to make a living, I'm going to challenge you. Maybe you want to try to also to have an impact. And, uh, and a lot of projects that you have, a lot of, 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 of dreams that you have, they're like children. You know, when you have a child, you, you, could, you feel the child, but you don't see it yet. So if you have a blessing, if you have a blessing and, and the people are like, oh, what's that blessing that you were talking about? You can tell them it's coming. I'm pregnant. Because when you're pregnant, the baby is there. You just don't see it yet. There's a blessing coming your way that you don't see yet, but God already has it in store. You ever notice when you read the book of Revelation? John says what he sees and he says it in the past tense. So those are future events, 
but he says it in the past tense. That's because in God's economy, it's already a done deal. We still have to go through it. But guess what? The, 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 the coming of Christ, that's a sure deal. That's, that's a sure deal that's going to happen. The uh, Whatever tribulation, that's a sure deal they're going to happen. And when we end up in the presence of God at the end, that's going to happen. Because what God's word says, his hand will bring it to pass. His hand will bring it to pass. So understand that your blessing is already, in God's economy, it's already in the past. So you can say, you know what, if you're starting college uh, and, and you have four years to go, you can say, I graduated four years from now because it's a done deal. Now, you still got to work, you still got to study, but understand that God... For in his economy, it's already a done deal. I know some of you are waiting for that special someone. And, and you're like, God, when? You know, you don't, you're not going to show me. But in, in, your, in your bedroom at night, you're praying and you say, God, when? But God says, don't worry, I got this. I got this. And, and, and sometimes we can get maybe a little desperate, right? Or a little impatient is a better term. We get impatient. And when we get impatient, we tend to take matters into our own hands, right? And so instead of going to church, we go to the club, right? To try to make something happen. And then we shout, okay, man, maybe they're a little slow, so you kind of give them a little incentive and you show a little skin. But you don't need to show skin. You need to show faith. You don't need to show skin. You don't need to trust in the club. You need to trust in God. Because when the time is right, he will send the right person on the same good foundation. And a lot of times what the devil does, when God sends his blessing, the devil will send a, a copycat before. So you get the copycat and you think it's the copy. You see the copycat and you say, oh, thank you, Jesus. No, it's not from Jesus. It's not from Jesus. Because if he was from Jesus, he would trust in Jesus. He would believe in Jesus. He would behave like Jesus. You know how many times I saw Montreal here, same thing. I had a friend, she is strong. She is, you know, devoted for God. This guy, he likes her. Guess what he did? He comes to church. He comes forward. Amen. I'm saved. They get married, oh, I'm not saved no more, deuces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now he don't want to do no mission, he don't want to do nothing. All he wants to do is stay home. He don't want to come to church. Strong woman of God, but one mistake. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Look at the right foundation. Look at the right foundation, the foundation of the Word of God, the foundation of a life. You know, the Bible says to watch and pray. So you don't have to worry about your stuff so much, as much as you have to watch God, and God watches your back. You know, like how many accidents that, you know, that, 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 that could have happened in your life that didn't happen because God was watching over you? You know how many times God saved your life? God saved your life? God saved your life for you to be able to give Him your life. For you to give him your life. As a friend of mine, he was, um, he was going, going to take the bus back home. And, he, and he's about to get on the bus. And he hears a voice that says, don't. Like, stop. He stops. The bus leaves. And he's like, what was that? What happened? And the bus goes on the overpass. And then it flips. And then the, 
accident, he would have been on that bus. There's some stuff that happens in your life that you don't know why, but God is protecting you. God is watching over you. The Bible says, he who watches over Israel neither sleeps nor, nor, nor slumber. He doesn't sleep. God, you can go to sleep because he doesn't sleep. He doesn't sleep. You ever, for those of you who are in school, you ever go to school and you're studying at night, you're studying at night, and then um, you're tired, but you, you have that problem you can't solve, you go to bed. And you go to bed, and then when you wake up, oh, you have the solution. Has that ever happened to anyone? How, how did you come to the solution? You, you worked all night. You, couldn't, you work all night. You couldn't find it. But when you wake up, you get it. It's because while you're sleeping, your brain is still working. Your brain is still working. I remember my guys, they gave me a riddle. I like riddles. They gave me a riddle. And I go, and I try to try to find a riddle. They say, don't tell me, don't tell me. I'm trying. And I can't find it. I go home after church, and then I sleep. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, <gasps> I found it. I wake up, I bring my phone. I'm, oh crap, it's 2 o'clock. I can't call him. Dang it. Now I know you guys called, but back then we didn't call at 2 o'clock in the morning. If I called my friend at 2 o'clock in the morning, we're not friends no more. I know you all do that now, but back then, back in the day, 9 o'clock, it's over. Good night, night. But why? Because your brain works while you're sleeping. Well, the guy that created your brain, he's even better at it than you, so you can go to bed because he watches over you. He watches over you, and he watches over your blessing. And so be more about living a legacy than making a living. Now, I know you might feel that you're maybe in a certain situation, right? Like, but Dave, you know, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. Yeah, Jesus said the flood come and, and the wind blows. He didn't say that if you build on the right foundation, you're never going to get a storm. You're going to get the storm. You're going to get the flood. You're going to get the wind. You know, we're in Florida, right? So we know what storms are. We get hurricanes after hurricane after hurricane. And that's sometimes how life is. That hurricane comes and hurricane, hurricane, and then storm. And, but I want to tell you that you are blessed regardless. You are blessed regardless. Verse 5, it says, Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. And he says that the children that he's talking about, they're a blessing from God, right? They're a reward from the Lord. And I want to tell you that God is going to give you the blessing of the reward, not necessarily in little children running around, but in significance. The point of the children is that it's, it's, it's a legacy. It's a legacy of significance. But how do you get the reward from God? He says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, he says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If you seek God, if you Put your faith in God. God is going to reward you. That reward is not going to come necessarily in the way that you think. Doesn't mean that you're not getting into trouble. You, you know, in Joseph's life, he went through hardship after hardship after hardship. And all those different hardships, so his, his brothers got jealous of him and they sold him into slavery. And then when he was in slavery, he started working good in the house of, of Potiphar. And then the, the, the lady, she lied about him. So that ended up 
Joseph in jail, and while he's in jail, he's doing his best, and he's rising in jail, and then there's two guys, and they have dreams, and Joseph gives them the interpretation of a dream, and one of them, you're going to live. The other one, you're going to die. But the one that you're going to live, when you get back in the palace, remember me. He said, remember me. How many times do you have a friend, and you tell your friend, remember me? When you get that nice job, remember me. And then they get the nice job, do they remember you? No, they forget about you. So what's your name again? Well, who? You call, they don't pick up. And that was Joseph. So now he's in prison for two years. And then Pharaoh has a dream. When Pharaoh has a dream, when Pharaoh has a dream, now then they remember Joseph, the only one that can, that can give the answer to the dream. And they get Joseph. Joseph becomes the prime minister. And then he saves his people. And his people become the nation of Israel, and his people give us the Messiah. So by Joseph's hardship, he saved the world. He literally saved the world. Now, all through his hardship, the Bible says God was with Joseph. Sometimes you think that maybe you're down, and you think that God is not with you because you're down. I want to tell you, you're blessed regardless. You're blessed regardless. Look at with me in Numbers, Numbers 6, verse 22, verse 20 to 27. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Haran and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And verse 27 says, So they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. The reason I can say that you are blessed regardless is because if you receive Christ in your life, his name is on you. I don't care that you're going through a, a, a slump right now. That doesn't mean that you're not blessed. You're still blessed because his name is on you. I don't care that last night you were doing what you were not supposed to do. That doesn't mean that you're not blessed anymore. You're still blessed because his name is still on you. I don't care maybe that you're going through a hardship and you're going through depression. You're still blessed because his name is still on you. And that name is the name of Jesus. It's the name that is above all names. The name that every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's that name that is on you. And that name is what means that that's because of that name that you're blessed. You know, parents love their children. You know, parents love their children. Every natural, normal parent loves their children. But there is something special when the child is adopted. And sometimes we think that maybe the child is adopted, they have less. But I think that an adopted child, sometimes in a sense, they have more. Because unlike the natural child, the adopted child was chosen. You're an adopted child of God. That means he chose you. That means he looked at the 7 billion people and says, Dreamsy, I want you. He said, Rachel, I want you. He said, Ricky, I want you. Judd, I want you. Abby, I want you. And he chose you to be part of his family, to be part of the household of God. And because you're in the household of God, you are blessed. You're blessed. And so, so you know that saying that said, too blessed to be stressed? That saying is true. And so you don't have to 
say yes to the dress. You just have to say bless to the dress. God will bless you in the right time. God will bless you in the right time because his name is on you. So, so my call to action to you today is to receive that blessing. It's to receive that blessing. And you say, Dave, how do I receive that blessing? In God's economy, the currency is faith. Is you receive the blessing of God when you put your faith in God, when you put your faith in the word of God, and when you pray, you pray the word to God. You want to know an effective way to pray? Is take the promises that you see in scripture and bring them to God and say, God, it's your word. It's not my word. It's your word. And you bring it to God in prayer, in the fellowship of the saint, and there you have the blessing of God. But you need patience. You need patience. When you build the house, it's not built in one day. And you're going to take, it's going to take time where you see the building, it's, it's forming and it's not looking good and it's not looking good. But when the builder is done, then you see what the builder was doing. So as we close in worship, I'm going to ask you to seek God. I'm going to ask you to seek him and put your faith in his word and to pray to him with his, with his word and understand that you are blessed. If you forget everything, remember one thing. God sent me here to tell you, I'm blessing you. You are blessed. So I'm going to ask everybody, just want to take a moment just to worship the Lord. Just close your eyes. And take this time to seek. To seek him. He says in his word. That without faith it's impossible to please God. But if we believe. He. He is the one that's going to reward us. So let's seek him for him to reward us.